Blog Talk Radio. Time with Pastor Steph. You're on with the due time with Pastor Steph. How are you this morning? That's what I like to hear. That's what I like to hear. For this is the day the Lord has made. Let rejoice and be glad in it. So, where were you yesterday? Ah, uh, yesterday we sh- were shaking the Monday morning blues with the due time crew, and we talked about signs that you're in a relationship with a manipulative individual. Well, one of the signs they say is that they make you feel guilty for everything, no matter what goes on, no matter what he or she does. You are the reason why everything goes on, good or bad. If it's not the most spectacular thing, it's your fault. It's your fault. Well, one of the other things, one of the other big signs, and I'm telling you this is definitely a sign that you're dealing with a manipulative individual, is they make you doubt yourself. Yes. No matter how great you may be at something, no matter how you may have gotten to a specific, oh, excuse me, a specific, you know, uh, level in life, you'll always feel like you're not doing enough. Like, you're not good enough to be where you are. Oh, that's a big one. Trust me when I say a big one. And one other one, they make you believe that what you want is what they want. Now, I tell you, (laughs) oh, boy. You know, you don't have a mind of your own. Nope, you don't have a mind of your own. Everything that they want is something that you want. You know, you never wanted kids, but because they want children, they love children, now you're starting to believe that you 
want children. Yeah, you know, the, be careful. Be careful. You know, we talked about signs of, you know, you being that you're manipulative or, I'm sorry, that you are in a manipulative relationship, but you didn't even realize it at first. And I tell you, they, they, they came up with a couple of goodies. They came up with a couple of good ones. And you have to be very careful because a manipulative person will manipulate you so much that you don't even realize that you're manipulated. And that's why I went into that direction because a lot of times they'll have you twisted up so bad, again, you'll begin to think the things that, you know, you're secure about are things that you shouldn't be secure about. And now all of a sudden your world is not your world anymore. It's their world, okay? All righty. So be careful of that manipulative individual. But I want to even say this. More importantly, please be careful that you're not the manipulative individual, okay? doesn't always come across the table as you being manipulative, or they being manipulative, sometimes you're manipulative. And I'm hoping that yesterday we kind of shine the light on that for you as well. Okay? So let's pay attention. Let's pay attention to that. Well, it wouldn't be a good Monday. We couldn't shake the Monday morning blues. If we did not get the switch with Shantice, and yesterday's tip was take the advice. <laughs> Always falls right in line with what we're talking about. And again, you know, take the advice that, you know, sometimes we've been manipulated in our life and when we turn around we end up being a manipulative individual and we don't want to do that we definitely don't want to do that we definitely don't want to be guilty of doing something that was done to us that was so bad that we ended up being the perpetrator instead of the victim now we don't want to be the victim we don't want to be the victim, but we also don't want to be the perpetrator either. And people have a hard time taking advice when they don't think it's them, when they don't think it fits them, when that's not me, you don't understand me, no one understands me, and you end up blowing, I mean, wonderful guidance because you're in your own way. So you want to make sure that you're not doing that either, okay? Also, take this advice. Be very careful of your counsel. Mm, yeah. Be very careful of your counsel. You can't take counsel from everybody. Now, that is some key advice right there and you know sometimes people lay down this quote unquote advice thing so well that man they could be telling you to do something wrong 
and you have no clue that you're being hoodwinked into believing some stuff that you ain't got no business believing. And you're following people's advice that is definitely taking you down the wrong path. So make sure you stay before the Lord. You know, Shanti's brought up something that was real key yesterday. And that, you know, when you get advice, you're just putting up that roadblock. Either you're so out of it, you're, you know, you've, you've been such, in such a bad way that even when good advice comes across your path, you just don't even know that it's good advice. So our advice is to stay before the Lord and ask God for discernment as to who you need to listen to, what you need to listen to. And, you know, here's another piece of advice that I'm going to give you this morning, you know, because sometimes people make it a habit, you know, as soon as something comes in front of them, I need to go pray about it. If you stay before the Lord, you really, really will automatically have some discernment because the Spirit of the Lord is going to let you know right away if that's something you should be doing or something you shouldn't be doing. You know, sometimes standing still may be costly for you. And some may say, well, you know what, if it's you know from God, you're never going to miss it. Uh, no. So if you stay before the Lord, when opportunities or advice come by you, you're going to know whether it's from the Lord or from the enemy. Because as Shanti said yesterday, there's no middle ground. It's, you know, the, the, the Bible tells us that all good and perfect gifts come from the Lord. So if it's a good thing, you know it comes from the Lord. If it's a good thing, there's no doubt it's coming from the Lord because our treasures are stored up in heaven with God the Father. So take that advice, okay? All right. I am so happy to be with you today as it is. Let's talk about it Tuesday, Church Folk Day. Ooh, and I don't have a church folk question, so I'm going to actually put that out on the floor this morning. If you've got a church, church folk question, go ahead and send it to me. You know how to get in touch with me. If you want to call in, 516-387-1358. I haven't given that number in a while. 516-387-1358. You are always welcome to call in. And join the party, okay? So if you've got a thought, if you've got, you know, uh, something that you want to add to the conversation, if you've got a church folk question, you can always hit me up. All right? All righty. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to go get that healthy breakfast. Go tell somebody that it's you time with Pastor Steph. Is on, 
And whatever you do, make sure you don't go anywhere because we will be right back. It's not the way it used to be. We used to do everything together. Now it's different. When I look around me, I don't recognize things anymore. I want to connect, but nothing feels familiar. Sometimes he seems like he's somewhere else. When did everything get so confusing? I just feel a little lost. Traumatized together, or we're gonna be like, What? Ain't so bad. 
So remember, if you've had some traumatizing experience in school, hit me up. Let me know. I want to hear what's going on with you all. Okay? Let's see what else. A guy and a girl, both in ninth grade, from what I can remember, decided to throw down and have sex with each other in a classroom in front of the entire class. The teacher was out of the room. It was chaos. People yelling, some encouraging them, and others objecting. The teacher came back, and some of the students actively held the door to prevent her from interrupting. The cops got involved. It was all over the news, and the school shut down for three days. Wow. Wow. Okay. What else they got here? In high school, three people got raided by armed police or unrelated cases. This was around the time Silk Road, I guess a movie, came out. So they were all importing large amounts of LSD and cocaine. I did go to a private school, though, so honestly, not that surprising. Ooh, wasn't even the most illegal thing to happen there. Wow. They're saying that it happened in private school. <laughs> well, listen, they always talk about the rich people are the people with the real problems. So, yeah, because they got the money for the, for the drugs. All right. In elementary school, if a male teacher would have special tutoring sessions with female students in elementary school. Lord have mercy. Female elementary students in a school that only went up to fifth grade. I found out after I moved away and was visiting friends that he was arrested and convicted on multiple counts of inappropriate touching. I'm an instructor in a military setting where we have strict rules about no one, I'm sorry, no one-on-one contact with the student behind closed doors to prevent stuff like this. It's sad that a rule like this can't seem to be enforced in an elementary school. Five-second pause, please. All right. Ooh. It just caught me as I was reading. It said elementary school. Wow. Wow. You know, a whole lot of stuff goes on in these schools. Mm. All right. I went to a Catholic high school. The priest on the faculty got a girl pregnant, then paid for an abortion, and the bishop paid off the girl's family to keep it quiet. The Pennsylvania Grand Jury exposed it 20 years later. Wow. Wow. I went to a private school, and right before my senior year started, it was discovered that one of the top administrators had been stealing hundreds of thousands of dollars from the school. He was arrested, and we had a new set of principals or whatever the title was, on the first day of school. Wow. My Spanish teacher tried to get me arrested for assault. He backed down pretty quickly when I brought up the fact that the assault was me pushing him away from the door he was blocking. 
he refused to let me out of the classroom. I said, I think there's a term for holding someone against their will. Mm. A kid got beaten to death in my school. We were locked down for four hours. He was life flighted and died a few days later. The kid who killed him ran away from the school, but they ended up catching him. He only got 20 years probation and is now a successful real estate agent, and everyone kind of forgot about it. Wow. Wow. At my middle school, the school priest was a pedophile, Lord have mercy, and also the basketball coach. In the middle of my eighth grade year, he suddenly, without any warning, got moved to another Catholic school in an inner city neighborhood on the other side of the state. He wasn't brought to justice for over two decades and and was still at the same school when he was finally arrested. Mm. My music teacher was unhinged. He literally threatened to kill students for misbehaving. The school discouraged me from reporting him because they didn't want to go through the legal paperwork of doing so. They eventually fired him a year later, but the damage was already done. Mm. Wow. It was 1971. A girl I knew whose boyfriend dealt drugs brought a bunch of really strong LSD to school to sell for the rest of the day. We would see each other walking down the hall, tripping balls, and laugh to ourselves silly. There must have been 20 of us. One of the cheerleaders got got some and ran away from home. The principal grilled her but couldn't prove anything. And then there was the band teacher who ran off with one of his mid-students, of his students mid-semester. When I was in elementary school in the 90s, we were coming in from recess. The boy standing next to me was shot by a stray bullet. Some kid was shooting birds in his backyard and the bullet hit my friend. If the boy's and girl's line was reversed, it would have been me and I was two inches shorter than him. It hit him in the chest and luckily not his heart. He lived, but it traumatized me. Wow. All right. Don't forget, you know, if you got, I got a couple of more minutes. If you had some experience that traumatized you in school, hit us up and let us know. You can always call in 516-387-1358. All righty. A teacher got accused of grooming and sexual assault. The allegation was brought to light that two other teachers throughout the school's history had also sexually abused students. Two of the three teachers are dead now, and the other one is in jail. Mm. Wow. (laughs) It's so hard to pick just one. We have the gender-neutral bathrooms. 
become a brothel. A math teacher dated a junior. The vice principal slept with multiple students. A social studies teacher who was a drug addict punched his boss in the face during class. And one of the women in the main office got busted as a cocaine dealer. Wow. I guess it would be hard to pick one out of that group. Our principal invited the cheerleaders to a pool party at his house and set up a camera in the bathroom where he told them to change. Wow. Wow. Mm. The police searched a student's car in the parking lot and found his girlfriend. Ooh and found his girlfriend's dead body in the trunk. If that doesn't count, because the murder happened off of school ground, it was a whole ring of people doing tattoos and piercings that ended up getting infected. Wow. Mm. On a school trip, a girl had a stillbirth after telling no one she was pregnant, we traveled on a plane which likely killed her baby. And then she tried to cover up the dead fetus in the hotel trash. Oh, my goodness. A few students were in on it. I don't know her name, but it was in the news sometime in 2011. It's the same high school where the world's current strongest man is from. Wow. Wow. Well, you know, some people have had some real traumatizing experiences in school. Mm. Well, well, thank God I don't have those experiences, and clearly you don't, because I didn't hear from anybody, and that's a good thing. That's a good thing. But can you imagine these children now who are going to school and they've had some real traumatizing experiences as well? And, you know, that's why we have to keep these kids prayed up because, you know, you don't go to school to be traumatized. You go to school to learn. And uh, it doesn't always work out like that, right? Right. Well, what news are we talking about today? Well, three people in Indiana have all been arrested after a baby was found severely neglected and suffering from dozens of rat bites. Well, they say that a father claims he woke up and found his baby covered in blood. And someone, ah, <laughs> the cops are saying that when they got there and they saw what was going on, they say this was their first involvement that someone should have definitely called a long time earlier before then. They say the condition of the home was absolutely deplorable. 
They said they found trash scattered all over the room, feces on the floor, and rats infecting the building. They said a six-month-old baby was found barely alive, having been bitten more than 50 times by rats, and they rushed the baby to the hospital. They say the the baby had multiple fingers that were nearly bitten off, but did survive. There were four other children in the home that were placed in another home afterwards. They say that the two parents, David and Angela, as well as Angela's sister, were all arrested on child neglect charges. Now, I'm trying to figure out. These people must have all been on drugs because who in the world, you got three adults and nobody, nobody, nobody noticed the baby in this kind of condition? Well, if they got rats running all over the place, they had to be on drugs. They had to be on drugs. But when they talked to the neighbors, the neighbors said they never noticed anything, that they always were nice people. They seemed to take care of the baby and take good care of the kids. And they were really shocked. They were like, wow. Wow. Yeah, well, needless to say, they weren't really, <laughs> they weren't really taking care of them kids if you watch some rats running all around. Well, I have an update to a story we did a while ago. And you're going to remember this story. I don't know how you could possibly forget this story. But there's a Virginia mother. Uh, think back, think back, think back. A Virginia mother who sedated her daughters with melatonin gummies. And then she shot them. And this happened about five years ago, but I think we talked about this last year. This was the mother, 38 years old, who was the mother of a 15-year-old girl and a five-year-old girl. And she was mad with the father. And he was going to take both girls away. And then she put up a fight for one of the girls. And she ended up shooting them after, like, drugging them with these melatonin gummies. And she called them up and said, you know what, this is what I did. Oh, I know you got to remember that story. You got to remember that story. This woman is, is really crazy. Yes, yeah, remember she stood over the body. And one of the, the girls, the 15-year-old, she was the one who called 911. The mother had been the one who shot them. Well, uh, she got how many years? 78 years. She's been sentenced to 78 years. Thank 
God, she won't be looking at the streets ever. Yeah. Well, remember, the little five-year-old, she passed away. She was the one who died. And she was she was actually um, in front of a jury. She didn't have just a judge, um, you know, go over the case. She was before a jury. And they gave her, well, he gave her 78 years. Now, they claim that she was from Argentina, and she, remember, she was the one they said, well, she had been sexually abused as a child, physically abused, and she turned to sex work as a teen to support her older daughter. They they talked about this, you know, quite a while ago in that initial story. And then she tried to plead insanity while she was going through the trial, but they were not, they were not having it. They were like, nope. Well, actually, the jury was the one who recommended the 78 years in prison to hearing all of the testimony. And they, like I said, they were not moved at this whole, you know, she's been through so much as a child and, uh, you know, I'm glad they gave her the 78 years. I really am. Because these days and times, this could have gone very differently. Very, very, very differently. And I'm so glad that they were not falling for this nonsense. As, you know, you always got something going on. You know, we've got something going on. Somebody's feeling sorry for somebody and they're dismissing things. No, 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 I'm glad. I'm very happy. That's a good update. Well, for those of us McDonald's, they've got some tell-alls from the previous workers. Now, I don't eat McDonald's breakfast, really, because the only thing I can eat is a hash brown. Everything else is filled with eggs, so I can't eat it. So I was kind of glad that I wasn't uh, a breakfast eater of McDonald's. But for those who do eat McDonald's breakfast, they've got a little bit of information and it may make a difference to you. It may, may, you know, it may not make a difference to you. Well, some TikToker went online to say that nothing is made fresh. Yep. They say the pancakes already come ready-made, and they just heat them up. And they say that the eggs are already pre-made and they are also heated up. They say that the burrito, the burrito mix, they say, comes in. And she showed them some white bags 
full of the pre-made burrito mix. And that is not fresh. It's already made. And they said after this went viral that some people cared and some people didn't care. You know, some people were angry because they said that, you know, they're charging us 8 to $9 for a breakfast meal, and yet they're not even cooking it themselves. Somebody else said, well, listen, 20 years ago when I used to work there, they were, they were actually eggs. We were folding, cracking eggs. And uh, I just thought I'd share that with you. For those of you who care about whether your stuff is fresh or not. Well, McDonald's is not serving you fresh food. Mm, mm, mm. Do you care? I don't know if you care. Well, like I said, it didn't really bother me none. Now, I don't really eat much of their food. We really don't eat much of their food. So, thank God we don't eat any breakfast. Well, what else are we talking about today? Hmm. All right. Oh, I don't want to talk about that one. Now, come on, go online with a whole bunch of stories, and I don't know whether I want to talk about it until it's time. Well, check this story out. Oh, out in Alaska. There's a guy who lived in a building, and he asked his neighbor for cigarettes, and the neighbor refused to share this cigarette with him. So what did he do? He went into his apartment, set three fires, 24-year-old Paul Bates, maliciously set three fires. <laughs> How mad could you be over a cigarette? Goodness gracious. Yeah, they said because he wouldn't share the cigarette with them, he set three fires and fled from the building. Now, this was a multi-dwelling with 12 units in it. They said the fire spread within minutes, and everyone had to take off running. They say that they spotted him walking along the road with packed bags after he set the fires. They said that people were running from the building, including a woman with a baby on her back. And thank God no one, you know, perished, no one died. But they say if, excuse me, if convicted, now check this out. This is what I say, justice, boy, is this thing such a Russian roulette. If he's convicted, he will face a mandatory minimum sentence of five years in prison. 
why would it be a mandatory minimum of five years? A whole 12-unit building. If you are convicted of any level of arson, you need to get more than some five years. As I said, you know what? The woman who got the 78 years, that's why I said good. Because you just don't know what people will get. Now, you're 24 years old. Again, you know, Shanti's always said she's so tired of hearing about the, what do you call it? The, um, she's so tired of hearing about the mental illness. But you really have to admit this mental illness just had, it just was under the radar. Because all of a sudden now, you're hearing all of this stuff. And I don't honestly believe that it hasn't existed. I believe it has existed, but, you know, they always just put it on something else. And now, all of this stuff is coming, is coming out. And it's just spilling out. But you gotta, you, you can't tell me that this person is not mentally ill if he's not on drugs. There's something is wrong upstairs. Your biggest, your biggest anger right now is the fact that somebody won't share a cigarette with you or somebody won't give you a cigarette. So you set a whole building on fire. They say multiple, multiple, three, 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 three fires. Three fires you set. Now, he was walking with bags. So clearly, he packed whatever little bags he could. And somebody might say, hey, you know, that's not mentally ill if you can think that far. No. You know, you didn't want to die. You know you wanted to get out of there quick enough. So, you know, people would say there's nothing wrong with him. No, there's a whole lot wrong with you. Just from the inception of this problem. Just from the inception of this issue. All right. I got two other stories that I really want to talk about today. And one of them... You know, we always talk about how they treat our veterans. You know, we always see the veterans homeless. You know, they have no housing. They don't offer them, any, offer them anything. And, you know, in the last few years, we've seen an increase in how, you know, society is treating them. They're opening up more housing. They're giving them more, you know, benefits and things like that. But... This one was really interesting to me. They have shown pictures of the military barracks. They say are in such filthy conditions. Now, it's one thing for them to discharge these veterans and they don't have anything. But when they're inside overseas yeah they say that some of them are living in barracks where the water is so dirty that they can't even drink the water 
They say the broken air conditioning and heating system are forcing the members to purchase their own air conditioning units for All right, I'm back, I'm back, I'm back. They tried to get rid of me, but I'm back, I'm back. All right, so we were talking about the troops. So, mm, okay, so they're saying that they're forcing the members of the military to provide their own unsafe space heaters so they can get through the cold winter months. Not only that, oh my goodness, they say that the buildings lack secure windows and doors, and in a lot of cases, they have squatters in the space that they're living in. So when they go out and come back, people are actually in their housing. That even that shouldn't even be there because the doors are bad shape. The windows are in such bad shapes that people can actually get in while no one is there. They're saying that they have in their bathrooms they have sewage that has backed up. They have cracked sewage pipes. Water damage, mold or mildew growth, and they're actually showing pictures. What kind of country are we that are so that you're so worried about migrants? You would allow the people who are serving the country, protecting the country. To live in these types of environments and conditions. They have been forced to try to fix up places where they live on their own. Shame on America. Shame on America. They say they have been complaining about this. For the longest time, they're trying to obtain funding to take care of this situation. What do you mean you're trying to obtain funding? Kidding me? Trying to obtain funding. 
you are coming up with all this money whenever you need it. Mm, you should see the bathrooms. You should see the bathrooms. They have a picture of the mold that's growing near where they say the cracked pipes are, completely black. Now, we know that if mold gets into your system, that is toxic. And this is what they're, they're forced to live in while they're serving the country. Once they discharge them, they can care less. They have mold and mildew in the ceiling. You know those um those panels that you have in the in the cell in the ceiling. Yeah, crazy, crazy. Shame on America. Shame on America. There's one other story I want to talk about, which was just like. Y'all gonna have to help me understand this. We have to find some. We gotta find somebody who can talk about this because this here, this is this was a bit much for me. I was like, wait a minute, how in the world? How how bad could it be? That's my question. How bad? How bad could it really, really be? All right, they have pictures of the migrants at the border of Texas between Mexico and Texas. Now, here's what they've done, the, the Texas uh, powers that be. To keep them from crawling over into the borders of, from Mexico to Texas, they have taken round barbed wire. It's round. And you've seen them before. You know, they're coiled into a circle. And when I tell you they're like caked up, so you could not crawl over it. Well, talk about where there's a will, there's a way. They have pictures of the migrants. They have put their children through the barbed wire, the, 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 the tunnel part, let's call it that, the tunnel part. I don't know how many of you have seen this on the news. I don't know if it's on the news. I don't watch the news. This is as much news as I get when I get on to, you know, get on this internet to find new stories to talk about. They have put their children and the babies are crying because they're being stuck by the barbed wire. They even have this woman who is a double amputee. She she has tried twice. Well, I guess three times a charm because she actually herself, along with a two-year-old, 
went through these barbed wires and whoever was on the opposite side actually helped her climb and crawl through to the other side. Now here's the thing. <laughs> they have the towns they're called Eagle Pass and El Paso. Now we've all heard of El Paso. They said in one weekend close to eleven thousand people were at the foot forcing their way through and they are now on the other side. They are now from Mexico into Texas. Now, here's what else they did. They put some, I'm trying to understand it. They they said there's some riverbank between this particular area between Mexico and um, Texas, and they call it the dangerous waters of Rio Grande. And they said the people got stuck at the bottom of the riverbank for hours, able to make their way to the U.S. due to the concert wire. That's what they're calling this, the concertina wire. Well, they say after nearly half a day's wait, they became desperate and made their way up the bank. They say video captured by the New York Post shows one Honduran woman crawling through the wire with her three sons trying to shield them by putting her body between them and the sharp spikes. They say another video captured a Honduran woman's hair and clothes snagged by the razors. They say, with the help of other migrants who use their clothes as a buffer, the mom and kids were able to turn themselves over to the U.S. Border Patrol. And here's the part I have to read to you, because I, I, was, I was just done. They say as more migrants saw that people had made it across, they too made their way into the Rio Grande, risking potential drowning. At that point, Border Patrol dispatched a number of small boats, collect the migrants, and bring them around the wire deterrence and onto U.S. soil. The migrants will then be detained evaluated where officers will decide they have strong enough cases to stay in the U.S. or will be deported. These people have climbed through barbed wire, almost drowning. They make their way 
point. And now the police will decide. They have strong enough cases <laughs> to stay in the U.S. or be deported. God knows I have so many things that I like to say. But before I say anything, because my mind, when I read this last night, my mind was like spinning. All right. So I'm going to let our due time panel talk about some things first. And then we're going to talk. I'm going to talk back to them. Good morning, Pastor Jeff. Good morning. Good morning. Pastor Jeff, I feel like it's been forever since I heard that voice. <laughs> All right. It's only, only been one week. <laughs> I said it felt like forever. I didn't say it had been forever. I said it felt like forever. Seems like forever, Pastor okay. Jeff. Oh. Well, glad to have you with us. Glad to have you with us. Well, we got a lot of stuff to talk about this morning, Pastor Jeff. We started off talking about some disturbing things that happened while you were in high school. And, boy, did we get some disturbing stories that we read that uh, some people had experienced. So I wanted to ask you a disturbing experience that you had while you were in high school. Uh, I mean, being bullied, <laughs> I mean, I got robbed on the train. <laughs> I can, you know, I can go down the list of how high school was, but you know, I went to, uh, I went to one of those special high schools. So, you know, in school, not too much happens, you know, but getting to school, a lot happens. You know? oh, okay, okay, okay. So the transportation gave you an experience, huh? <laughs> okay. Okay. That that is that okay. you ever That's see that it. movie The Warriors? The that old movie yes. The Warriors? Yes, yes, I do remember well, when the gang were running for their lives. Yeah, that's how it was for me getting to school and getting home every day, you know. <laughs> On them trains. Wow. Going to Brooklyn. I went to Brooklyn Tech, and we had to take the uh, you know the wow. D train and all of that. And just you know, I remember one time in the tenth grade. Uh, I think I was in the tenth grade, and I had a leather coat that I shoved snow and worked, and you know, and got my money together, buy my little leather bomb. Everybody was trying to have, and I got on them trains with with the track team because I ran track. You know, after hours in school, and Jay Z and his crew robbed us. They came on the train and robbed everybody Jay- on the train. Yeah, it was actually Jay Z. Oh, I know it was Jay Z. Oh. I remember. I remember him. He was younger than me too. And they was it was about twenty of them, and they got on the train and they robbed everybody. All right, you know they robbed everybody going through the cars, and the police officer was on the train. And as soon as he got to the back car, I was thinking this police officer was going to help us. Um, he stepped right, the doors opened, and the cops stepped right off the train. <laughs> the white wow. cops stepped right off the train. 
and I ended up losing my my bomber that oh. day. And I had a big blade in in, oh. in my in my pocket, but something told me don't pull it out, don't stab. I was gonna lose my life, or I was gonna end up in jail. And I let the coat go. And every time I see Jay Z with his billionaire self, I think about that little kid getting on the train robbing me. You know what I'm saying? And he rich as he is. Wow. I want my jacket back. <laughs> <laughs> afford to, to give it back, right? <laughs> yeah, wow. I, I, I want it back with okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a question for you, Pastor Jeff. As a city subway passenger, we always knew you don't ride the last car to train. Pastor Jeff, you and I are the same age. What's going on with that? You didn't figure that out with your bomber jacket? I was coming from track practice. With the track team, you know, we were going back back home. Everybody headed towards Queens, you know, and we were on the back car because that was on Fulton Street, you know, where we would get on the subway. That's, that car would be the, the car for the GG train, you know, the last car. And nobody, I mean, you didn't think about it. I thought about it after that, you know. <laughs> but they robbed everybody from the front to the back. They walked through the cars robbing, robbing everybody. So I wouldn't have been wow. able to get away. Wow, wow, wow. Wow. Well, he, Pastor Jeff. If, if, I, if I was uh, 14 at the time, Jay-Z had to be like 12 or, or, or 11. Wow. Or something like that. I might have been 15, you know, but he he was he's a couple years wow. younger than me. So you can see how young them delinquents were. You know, at that time, you know. You know. <laughs> wow, wow. We got a story on Jay Z. Wow. Oh yeah. Right. If, I ever, wow. if I ever get to meet him face to face, I'm gonna tell. I'm gonna tell him. I was one of the people he robbed. Him and his little crew. <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow, wow. All right. Well, thank you for that story, Pastor I can always rely on you to give me a story. Wow. Thank you so much. All right, Pastor Jeff. We got this issue of the truth who are living in deplorable conditions. We always talk about how they don't treat the truth, you know, I mean, the, the veterans right after they leave the, you know, after they leave the military and they're discharged and, you know, some of them are homeless, some of them are mentally ill, blah, blah, blah. But we're talking about actively serving, you know, the the country and you not being able to live in decent conditions, even to the point where, you know, the doors and the windows aren't even locked properly. And when they get back, they've got squatters in the barracks. What do you think about when you hear that? No, I mean, you know, it bothers me because we let look at what we, how we bending over backwards to accommodate the migrants coming in, and you got people mm-hmm. fought for this country and everything else out on the streets, not getting cared for, you know, none of that. I mean, it just shows how backwards you know we are. You understand? It just you know shows where our party mm-hmm. is. You know, the migrant thing is is, is political. 
It can cause you to win elections or lose elections, but care for veterans, you know, I guess don't matter much. And it's a shame because anybody that fights for this country and put their life on the line for this country should get anything they want. They should not have to come home and live in poverty, you know? Right. You got people that didn't right. fight for this country living good, you know? So that's how I feel about it. Alrighty, Pastor Jeff. I'm gonna hold off on my last little story here uh, until we speak to Pastor KL and see what happened with him if he ran into Jay Z somehow. And uh, let's see what he got to say. You're more, it's telling you on a train, Pastor KL. Yeah, I'm looking for Jay Z. I'm trying to get that coat back. All right, see, Pastor Jeff, he got your back. He got your back. All right. Me and Pastor Jeff need to go find Jay-Z and take the violence by force. Uh-oh, uh-oh, uh-oh. Pastor, all right. All right. Good morning, Pastor Kale. How are you? Good morning, Pastor Jeff. I'm well. How about you? Yeah, I'm okay. You know, Pastor Jeff ended up telling us that story by virtue of, you know, experience during your high school, you know, tenure. You know, did you have any traumatizing experience while you were in high school? Yeah, I did. You know, being a comedian, I was a class clown, and I realized at a young age that, that my comedic career wasn't going over too well because I was supposed to be going to school to learn. However, I got a bad grade, and my dad came to my school, my high school, and beat the crap out of me. Yeah, that was traumatic. Wow. That was traumatic. <laughs> that was traumatic. I, I didn't have no more jokes for a good, a good year. That's nuts. I guess not. Wow. What high school did you go to, Pastor KL? I went to music and arts. That's when it was music and arts. Now it's performing arts. But I went to music and arts. Wow. Okay. Interesting. 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 So there was a whole lot of art going on, huh? Yeah, I was really specialized. So yeah, it was it was it was quite quite embarrassing. It was my freshman year too. Wow, really? Needless to say, after that, I graduated with honors. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. That was during the time when you could actually go to school and pay your kid up, and the teacher That's right. cheered. Yep. Hey. That was one less problem, child. The, the teachers ain't even jump in. The teachers, the teachers called your parents. That's what I'm saying. You know, that was one less problem child in the classroom. Mm-hmm. So they That's knew right. what it was to get towed up, and That's they right. feared for the parents to come in and do the same. I mean, you weren't being abused. They were disciplining you, and the teachers didn't have to worry about it. Look at you. You ended up being a student that they didn't have to worry about anymore. Yeah, bring that parent on in there. Let that parent take care of that child. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't, 
can't do that now. These kids don't even care if their parents come to school. Well, half the parents don't show up to school. How about that one? Mm-hmm. Uh, but if they do, if they do, it's the teacher's fault. They, they come to beat up the teacher. All right, Pastor Kip. Yeah, they're coming to fight. Right, they're coming to fight the teacher. They're not coming to, to solve the problem. They're coming to create right, right, the right. problem. Uh, right. All right, Pastor Kale, we're talking about the barracks that the military members have to live in. You know, forget about when they get discharged. They don't even make it out. You know, imagine going out. You're doing your day's work. And you come back only to find squatters in your place. The mold, the mold is black. The wall is black with mold. They have all kind of sewage backed up inside of the bathroom. They've got pests. They've got all kind of problems. You know, going on while they're actively serving our country, and they say they're trying to find the funding to take care of these problems. What say you? Well, the way I look at it is, is you don't have to worry about the enemy. We're killing ourselves just just in the deplorable mm-hmm. um, living situations. So, and then after breathing all this toxic, after breathing all this mold, I don't have the strength the adequate strength to go out and fight nobody else. I, I'm already mm-hmm. in a daze. I'm all, my, my head is already hurting. I can't even concentrate on shooting nobody. You know, that, that's why we have so many friendly fires. We end up shooting each other by accident because because we don't get mm-hmm. enough sleep. We don't get enough rest. We, we, we can't, you know, we, we dehydrate it because we can't drink the water. I mean, we got issues, too many issues on the inside, let alone going to fight the outside. Absolutely, absolutely. Oh, all right, gentlemen. I got this, this story this morning about the migrants who have, I mean, they are so determined to leave their country. They are actually climbing through the barbed wire. They're putting their children literally through the barbed wire and I want to repeat I I have to reread this for anyone who just joined us they say that as more migrants saw that people had made it across they too made their way into the Rio Grande risking potential drowning At that point, Border Patrol dispatched a number of small boats to collect the migrants and bring them around the wire deterrent and onto U.S. soil. The migrants will then be detained and evaluated, where officers will decide if they have strong enough cases to stay in the U.S. or will be deported. And they say in one weekend, to the tune of 10,000 people have (laughs) crossed onto U.S. soil. Now, you find these people trying 
that come across, you go help them. And instead of putting them back on the slow boat to their country, you actually rescue them, hear their story, then determine whether they should stay here should go back. Now, when you take the woman who is a double amputee, you put her on the boat, you bring her over here. Are you really going to listen to her story or are you just going to look at her and see her legs gone, her two-year-old right beside her and automatically welcome her into the U.S.? You ain't listening to her story. Pastor Jeff, what are you thinking when you hear this, 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 this here? Well, on the migrants part, I can understand why are they doing what they're doing? But us, we, you know, everybody's going to have a sad story. You know, everybody, you know, they're going to look and, and act. You know, it's like when people on the street try to get money out of me, you know. They bring their children and everything else. And, you know, do you have something? And a lot of them don't be hungry. That's their hustle. You know, I, um, you know, like I said, we, we can't, we can't, uh, We'll take care of the whole world. We should take care of home first and then help who we can help. You know, and I just think it's a shame that we, you know, we just keep doing this. Like we can keep doing this. The whole world, come here. Everybody's going to want to come here. Why wouldn't you want to come to a place where you, you know, you can get, you know, free food, free shelter, free this, and, you know, and everything else. You know? So I don't, I don't know. I, I hate the situation. I'm, you know, I'm for taking care of people, but I'm for taking care of home first. All righty. All righty, Pastor Jeff. Pastor KL, what goes through your head when you hear that they are going to help them? They're going to finish, finish them getting over here. And hear their story and determine whether they should stay or whether they should go back. Well, my question becomes, how and why did we become Captain America to everybody but the Americans? So I'm, I'm, that, that, that's my, my first thought, because it seems like we're dying as Americans, and, and the immigrants are living well. You know, I, I can't get an EBT card. You know, for 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 anything, I can't get a food stamp card. You know, for for a piece of chicken, but yet they live for free. You know, I I can't get a one shot deal on my mortgage. If 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 I can't pay my mortgage, hey, I, I'm going into foreclosure. But they live and they eat and 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 they do everything for free. And and we're going and we're sending our cruise lines, if you will, you know, to go pick them up. I can't get on the train for free. No one's sending a bus for me. So how do we become Captain America to everyone but the Americans? That's my question. You know, I, I was I was really, you know, when I when I actually saw and read that these they have pictures they have pictures of the children crying as those spikes were 
cutting them, going into their skin. I'm saying to myself, well, good Lord, how bad is this really? Is it really that bad? Is it really that bad that I would take my children and put them through some barbed wire spikes? Is it really that bad? And 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 I I was I, I kept saying to God, am I being am I not, am I not being am I just not in the right place? I, I just couldn't imagine. I'm like, God, is this world or condition this bad that people would go to this extreme? over into America. Then when I read that they were taking the boats, helping the people finish the process of coming through the barbed wire and getting through the water where they could have possibly drowned, well, then why not? Why not start the process if somebody's going to come over and give me a helping hand and put me on this side? Why not? Why not? Why not? They're not going to leave me there to die. And I'm not saying that they should. I'm not saying that they should leave the people to die. That's not what I'm saying. But I, I hope you all are getting my point. I, I, I'm just trying to put this in my head. I can't figure this one out. But what really did it for me was when I read that the police officers would determine whether the, the the reasoning was good enough for them to either stay or go back. Who makes you judge and jury? Who's going to be a police officer? And I felt just like Pastor Jeff said, well, who don't have a sob story? Which is why I said, well, hey, look at the lady with the who's a double amputee with a two-year-old. Are you really going to send her back? Send her back, and you're gonna be able to sleep at night, you know, knowing that this woman, who's a double amputee, this is her third time they said she had had two failed attempts at getting across across her country into the U.S., but the third time she was able to get through, and they showed them pulling her through, and she's on the ground and she's crying. And I guess I'd be crying too, but it, it, what, 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 where are we? Where are we in this world where I get showing that I've got enough endurance, strength, courage? I can just take the cuts and everything else to get over into the U.S. You're talking about? They said in one weekend. They said in one weekend. They said, with a population of less than 30,000, Eagle Pass has been besieged by at least 11,500 migrants in the last week. Them alone. Now, they only got 30,000 in their little town. City. Now, you, now, <laughs> one third of your population migrants. How could that town, that city 
help and hold another 11,000, 12,000 people. What do we do? So, Pastor Jeff, I'm asking you, at this point, what do you do in your head? Well, you did make a statement. What would make them go to that extremes to get over here? Is, is, you know, is it really that bad? No, it's really that good over here. You understand? Paul said, I press towards the prize, right? The the prize is getting over here, and it's really that good, and they're so focused because they know once they get over here, they're going to be able to get health benefits. You know, this, that, and the other, and that, that, and the other. So it's, it's not that it's that bad where they're at. It's that good where they're going to. Is why they will push their babies and everything else. Because once they're here, you know, the American dream. <laughs> you, you understand? Mm. We, we take it for granted, yeah. you know, how we live. But they don't. You know? Mm. But like I said, it's, it's a shame. We ought, to, we ought to stop. I mean, there's always going to be, you know, you know, amputees and kids and everything else, you know. We, when, when do we stop? When do we say no? Other, there's other countries that ain't, ain't allowing that. You know what I'm saying? And you don't see them trying to get over there neither. You don't see them trying to get over to China. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I agree. I, I actually agree. And you know what? The way you kind of, you know, the cup, cup half and the cup half, cup half full, the, you know, the, the the way you look at it, I guess, it, it, it does make a difference because, like you said, regardless of where I come from, no matter how bad it is, I'm going to something that's better. So it doesn't have to be as bad more than it has, more than it's better here. So I guess that's a different way of looking at it. Um, do we just – now, they – now, here in these two uh, cities – they put the ravine there or whatever you call it. They put the barbed wire there, and they still have not been able to keep these people from crossing over. Now, Trump said put a wall up. Boy, oh, boy, he caught hell with that. What, 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 that's what I'm asking you. In your head, what do you do? You, you put... There's a, a ravine there where people could possibly drown. That's not the term. You put barbed wire coiled. When you get a chance, Pastor Jeff, you look. I mean, this thing is so coiled up. Just looking at it, I'd be like, oh, well, I just, I guess I won't get, get on that side. But, again, as we said, they're pushing and pressing their way. Well, how do you keep people out at this point? Listen, when you – listen, people are hungry, okay? When they see something good. There's some people, I mean, some people let opportunity pass them by, but some don't. And I can feel them because, you know, I have my own little personal situation why I left the West Coast and came back to New York, right? And people's like, ah, oh, he went through all of that. I got arrested seven times for this situation, you know, with, with, with my grandfather's stuff and the Burns Memorial Church stuff, right? And, people, and me and my family was like, I wouldn't have dealt with that. I wouldn't have put up with that. I couldn't go through that. Yeah, but me? I saw, I see the prize, you know, <laughs> and then, you know I'm gonna go through whatever I gotta go through. 
<laughs> uh, you know, I see, I see, you know, I see the other side, and that's what they do. They see the other side. They need to do like Trump said, put up a wall where they can't see it. Because <laughs> okay. the barbed wire don't okay. stop them from seeing the other side. They're gonna do what it takes to get it. I got you. All righty, all righty. Woo, Pastor Kale. How do you stop them at this point? Literally, literally stop them. You know, again, they've 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 tried. They've put these things there. They're not thinking that you know these people are going to make the attempt. Excuse me, nonetheless, but they are. How do you physically stop yeah. them? I, I I really, as long as you're able, you're allowing them to window shop. It's what we do. You know, we're window shopping. When we go to stores, we know we don't have no money. But we window shop. So, so we're gravitated to come in. Whether we have money or not, we want to be inside. You know, and, 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 and that's what we do. You know, how many times we just go outside and go into the stores and know we ain't got no money to buy nothing in there. But because of the mannequin in the front. For some reason, the TV is showing the mannequin in the front. And they know that they can't afford to come over here. But they can't not afford to try, you know, and, and, and that is, is the biggest problem. You know, they're hearing so many things about the America the Great, and they, they've been window shopping. And now they want to go and try it on for themselves. They can't afford to do it, but they can't afford to stay where they are. Okay. Yeah. So what do we do? If, if someone came to you and said, we're, we're, we're out of suggestions, we're out of, we're, we're out of, what do you think? I, I, I don't, and, and, and for the lack of being crazy, you know, you, you got to put something away that if you cross, you going to die. I mean, that, that's pretty, that's pretty much it. You know, you have a line, you cross the line, you get blown up or something. I mean, I don't know. Was you, I mean, put, should you put should you put mines? Should you put mines on the floor? You know, and if you step into the mine, you gonna blow up. I mean, I don't. Listen, people are risking their children's lives through barbed wire. You know what I mean? So, so what is it that they won't risk? They've already risking their lives. So, so a wall is not gonna work because they're gonna try to climb the wall. You got to do something like put some mines down. Oops, I stepped on the wrong one. I mean, something. <laughs> oh, my Lord, have mercy. You know, I'm, I'm sure people expect us as church folk to think differently. You know, it's like, where's your heart? You know, where's the God in you? I don't know. I I, I, I don't I don't know. You know, I ask myself the same question, guys, and I'm saying to myself, okay, well, what do you do? Okay, so Trump said put a wall up. All right. So as you both have said, you can't see. You can't see, you know, to come over. Poor little El Paso and the other place. You know, they put up their, their little ravine, they put the barbed wire, that ain't keeping the people out. 
and I'm sure they thought that that would do something. You put a wall up. Does the wall stand so tall that it's like the Tower of Babel that they were trying to build where, you know, you can't cross it? You know, no matter what you did, you couldn't cross. You can't climb it because the walls are too slick. You, you can't, you know, but I, I want to pose the question a different way. How do we help the other countries if we don't allow them to come over, if we're not allowed? Because, again, 100,000 people, that's New York City. That's New York alone. That's not counting the El Paso. That's not counting the California. That's not counting this place or that place. How do we help? Yeah, Pastor Jeff. Listen, since since you so eloquently shift the the other question, then I'm going to shift this question. As as people of God, how do we help people without having them come over here? Listen, we'll help you. You just can't come over here to live. It's almost like when you have somebody who, who you know who who wants to come and live in your house. Listen, I I'll help you as much as I can. You, but you can't live here. How do we help them? What do we do to offer them a level of help that would be, in your opinion, sufficient? Well, I, I, I kind of got a situation like that now, and I hope my brother's not listening. But he, he's moving <laughs> from Florida. <laughs> he's moving from Florida back here. And I started working on my uh, garage, turning it into a guest house. All right. And he heard that I, you know, I'm almost finished with my with my guest house. And he's like, man, I'm having a hard time finding a place to live, brother, big brother. You know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I'm moving here because he, he's taking over the pastorship of, 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 of my stepfather's church, of his father's church. Okay. And, you know, and they're not helping him with relocating. So he, 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 he's feeling like I should let him into my place. I said, no. I'm making that guest house for me, and I pro- probably will rent it out maybe to make some money, you know, you know, for me and my family, mm-hmm. and, I, you know, whatever. And he's feeling like I'm, I'm wrong. You know, I should just let you do this. And I'm like, no, here's, here's some ideas. Why don't you re- change the uh, office in the church and make a, an apartment in there? You know, because he's in the wheelchair, mm-hmm. so, he, you know, he needs oh, accessibility. Okay. Yeah. So okay. why don't you do that? And then I said, well, why don't you take that other apartment they got in Harlem and and spit, let them spend some money and put a lift or something, you know? What I, so what I'm doing is I'm mm. giving them ideas, alternatives, but I'm not taking you right. in because right. I take you in, right, right. you might just not want to pay me, you know, and and sit on me. Right, right. And now, right. yeah. So that's what we should do. We should help them in their country. You know, learn how to make this, build this, you know, produce this, you know, help them if, you know, if the country will let us, you know, but don't bring them over to sit on us. You understand? Mm-hmm. Help them where mm-hmm. they're at. Yes. Don't bring them over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I, sh- I share, I share the feeling, you know, sometimes, you know, to be, you know, to make it, per- you know, in the personal um, arena, Sometimes you need to help people from afar because, like you said, how do I know 
that, you know, now you you get here or you get in here and now I can't get you up out of here when it's time for you to go. We negotiate, you stay six months and then when I look around it's six years and now you got you got rights and all of this kind of stuff and you know, that's not what I, you know, initially envisioned, blah, blah, blah. And that's why I I shifted the question because this is reality. This is reality that, that we have people who we don't mind helping. You just can't live with me. I'll help you from afar, whether it's regarding suggestions, whether it's I'll give you some money, whether whatever it is, anything but you actually living with me. So, you know, it, it actually what you said made, makes a whole lot of sense because that's exactly why I posed the question. My question has been from the very beginning, why can't we help the country? Whatever we can offer, you have 10 countries, and you say, listen, this is how much money we're giving up, and this is what we're going to donate. Y'all doing it what you want to do with it, whether you want to feed the people, whether you want to build housing, whatever you want to do. Just go ahead, you do it, but that's where that's where this ends. Pastor KL, how do we help them without literally bringing them here to live? Because it's costing us a whole lot more. It would be just to help. One one, one word as as pastors and Christians, pray. That's all the way I'm gonna help you pray. That 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 I mean that that's it. I, I'm just gonna pray again. If, if if my own brothers and sisters here are in poverty, my own brothers and sisters here are dying, my, only, my own brothers and sisters here are risking their lives to survive here, I'm not going out of my way for there. I'm just not. But, I, you know, as you say, they expect the, the pastors or the Christians to think differently. I'm going to pray. Just as I pray for the ones here, I'm going to pray for the ones there. I have nothing to offer you. Silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, I give unto you. I'm just going to pray. I'm not trying to figure out how to get you, how to make you better, how to make you whole. I'm, I'm not trying to figure that out because I got a brother on my corner who I can't get whole, who I can't get him in the pool. No, nah, I'm just going to pray. Okay, okay, okay. Jesus came unto his own first. You heard me? He he Mm -hmm. came unto his own first. And then they rejected him and then, you know, everybody else. But he came to his own first. That's how church folks should think. Right. I'm in agreement, Pastor Joe. And I... (laughs) I'm actually in agreement as well. I, I mean, I'm not fighting either one of you on this. Because like I said, from the very beginning, I, I mean, I didn't go as far as to say just pray, which I don't have a problem with that. But I'm just saying, you know, I don't, I don't have a problem with, you know, if you, if, if you carve out $5 and you give it, you know, and, and, and call it quits. But this endless giving or this, we're going to overload the United States. That's why I always figured the United States got some interest in this. It ain't, they just ain't pulling these people here just because. 
They're not just pulling these people here just because it's something in it for them. And because we never know the negotiations that actually take place, and I just think this was a negotiation that went horribly wrong. It backfired. Because for us to, it's like Biden is silent. You don't hear that he's helping. You don't hear that he, he was right here in New York. It was the last week was UN week. Right here in New York. You didn't hear him visiting anything. You didn't hear him stay here two extra days. To go see what it really looked like? No. This is too much silence. And what happened was y'all made some deal for the United States to get something out of allowing these people here. And before you knew it, it was out of control. There was nothing you could say. So now it all backfired. Now you stuck. You stuck, we stuck. And now we're the ones suffering. So I don't disagree with you, you know, you two gentlemen. I, I actually agree that, you know what, Pastor Kale says, I ain't giving up no money. I'm just going to pray. Uh, Pastor Kale, I'm sorry, Pastor Jeff didn't actually say that. But, you know, listen, I'll give you suggestions. <laughs> My thing is, you know, listen, do like they did with Haiti and the other places. Send the people over there, help them. Bill for five minutes and come on back home and, and, and let's take up our own course. But you can't you can't do what you need to do for others when you can't when you haven't done what you need to do for your own. You know, even in the Bible it says that, you know, if you don't take care of home and you take care of outside your home first, that you're like a scoundrel, an infidel. There's quite a few different versions, you know, or different words and different versions. So you got to take care of home first, and this is something that we have failed to do. So, you know, how does this, you know, as we close down, how does this convert into the church world? And I'll put it out to you first. You know, we always talk about church folk. How does this convert into a church folk issue, Pastor K.L.? Well, I, I think it becomes an issue for the people outside the church who expect us to kind of do more than, than we've been doing. Um, that, that's one. And, you know, we, we're supposed to have compassion. We, 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 we are. You know, but God gives you wisdom. You know, and again, you know, we, we got to help the people in our own surroundings. You know, God helps those who help themselves. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, ministry begins at home. So we have to start at home first and then go abroad. We, we keep on pledging to all these places, sending them $500 and $100. And when the man on the corner, now we get mad because the man on the corner don't ask for change anymore. He's asking for a dollar, two dollars. <laughs> and we get mad and we say, well, what happened to the change? What happened to the 50 cents? But yet we pledging hundreds of dollars. To people we can't see, we don't know, and we really don't know their circumstance. How many people in Africa are getting these folks here, talking about I'm dying, mommy's dying, sending me all this money, and these Africans are richer than we are. But the man on the corner, we get mad because we, he's asking for $2. I think we need us to really, really buckle down in our ministry, understand ministry, understand that it begins at home. Once we understand that, then, and, and get home together, listen, I can't fix up and decorate your house if my house is in a, in a, in a shamble. 
So I got to get my house together first, and then I can come over there and help you with some curtains. All right, all right. It's funny that you put it out there because I was going <laughs> to ask, but you, you beat me to it, so I'll ask you, Pastor Jeff. You know, we see on TV, you know, all of this. It's not, I mean, I'm not up late at night looking at TV. There are no commercials on the channels that I do watch. But, you know, years ago we used to see the, the, the save, you know, the the people across the waters and, you know, this one doesn't have this, this one doesn't have that. How, how what do you think about that and the fact that we're here, people don't have anything to eat. There are people right here in New York who don't have anything to eat. How do you feel about, you know, church people, church folk, you know, sending money over to the other countries, you know, to help the other children or the other people or whatever have you, and we're not here? What do you think about that? You already know what I think about that, all right? Well, I ain't going to put the words in your mouth. <laughs> it's ludicrous. It's it's ridiculous. You know, you putting all send all this money abroad. I'm watching the government. How much money you they send to Ukraine? You know what I'm saying? And and here it is. We here in this country. You know, especially as black folks who built this country, who you're forced over here, and you know you know you, you ain't giving us the money, reparations and none of that. So you know, I got I got a problem with the whole whole thing. It it. It's not about, our country is not about compassion. Like you said, it's politically motivated. They're getting something out of it. There's stuff we don't know, okay? But as far as church folks is concerned, the world needs to stop uh, deciding how church folks are supposed to be. Read your Bible, get filled with the Holy Ghost, and get a real understanding, all right? God gives us wisdom, all right? He'll tell us when it's somebody abroad that we should help. You put it in our the Holy Spirit will put it on our hearts to help them. All right? But the Bible clearly states that you take care of home first. Ministry begins at home. And you can watch your kids starving. That's what a lot of preachers, a lot of their kids are strung out on drugs, uh, running around, doing this, doing that, and they and they trying to save the world. You know, but you ain't saving your home. You're always on a mission trip. You're always preaching somewhere except at home. And I see a lot of that mess. And that's not the way we're supposed to be. And I'm sick of the world acting like Christians are supposed to be poor. We're supposed to, they got an idea of what Christians are supposed to be. No. A Christian is supposed to be what God has created them to be. And he had created some of them to be, well, all of us to be the head and not the tail. But I didn't mean to preach. Mm-hmm. No, hey, 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 preach on, my brother, preach on. Pastor Steph, I got one more disclosure before we leave. I like to let the folks know, you know, I'm not sure how old they are, how big they are, but I've never seen anyone get fed for 52 cents a day. So when everybody talk about for 52 cents a day, you can help somebody. I've never had a meal for 52 cents and it lasts me the whole day. So come on, man, stop falling for this stuff. Oh my goodness gracious. Leave it up to you. Leave it up to you. Well, my brothers, thank you so much.
too much. We ended on a very high note, whether you understand it or not, whether you believe it or not. And I thank you so much for your contribution into today's conversation, and I pray you have a blessed day. You as well. You too. God bless you. Thank you. Thank you. I don't like that God bless you from Pastor Pastor Jeff. I don't know what that God bless you meant. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, all right. Let's get that benediction. May the peace of God, which surpasses Standing, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 7. You know, the the peace is is what I'm going to target today, that peace. That peace in knowing that you are doing what God has you to do. You know, that's why I said we ended up on a really high note today, you know, from both both of our pastors who said, you know, we can't be this endless well. There, There is a level of discernment. There is a level of understanding as to, I got to take care of my home first. One of the things that, you know, and, and I don't hear it as much now as with years ago, and I think it's because kind of gotten you know, enough steam and people kind of get it now. But, you know, you used to hear a lot back in the day of people saying, you know, well, you know, my pastor, you know, my dad, you know, my grandpa, whoever, the family went astray and, you know, they didn't pay much attention to us because they were so busy out trying to save everybody else. You know, I I constantly tell the story about the friend that I have whose wife you know, he said, paid attention to everybody else. And their marriage was literally falling apart. She was just trying to save everybody else's marriage. And, you know, she was a minister and, you know, an evangelist and, and so forth and so on. And that's exactly what we're looking at the U.S. doing. But like I said, there's, there's something on the side for the U.S. They're, they're not as innocent as, you know, we, you know, made, they want to make us believe. But we have to really, really make sure we take time to care for our own family. And when we don't do that, then we leave them to suffer. And that's what's happening in the United States right now. You know, you're talking about cutting benefits for homegrown people here, citizens, people who, you know, have had to fight. I I can't even imagine those people who had to jump through hoops to get here and stay here, and now they're watching all the people come over here, and they've had to do nothing. All they had to do was come through, you know, the barbed wire (laughs) and, you know, get picked up by a boat, and now their fate is decided by some, some police officers. That can't be logical. That can't be logical. There's just no logic in that. You know, and that's why I I wanted to turn it into the church folk appearance because when we don't take care of our people, we, you know, we're constantly, you know, looking and, you know, again, like Pascal said, they're making pledges and all of these kind of things to 
you know, make sure other people have and things like this. And their own people are starving. And I don't mean just starving for food, but just starving for some attention and, and things like that. And, you know, just trying to get some remedies and they don't have the help that they need. You know, shame on us. Shame on us. We cannot expect for, you know, these things to happen on their own. We have to invest. And we're, we're watching this, this, this turn into a real ugly situation. And that's exactly what's going to happen and what's been happening in some church, you know, arenas. You know, and why some people are so turned away from church. You know, and, and you know, just let it be said that some people, they just wait for any excuse. Any excuse is better than that. But, you know, for some people who really are expecting, you know, I do agree with the pastors. You know, people outside of church, they expect for church people, you know, to live a certain way. Church, church people should look a certain way, you know, and Part of that is because of what we've put out there. So we only have ourselves to blame. But in actuality, there's this. the Bible gives us all the direction we need. Take care of your home. Make the right decisions for your home. Make God first in your home. And you will not go wrong. You will be able to reach out and help other people, but you've got to take care of your home first, because if you don't, you know, the fires are going to be burning all around you, and the smoke is going to be killing you, and what are you going to have? Your whole house is going to be destroyed. So, come on, let's, let's get this done, let's get this done right, you know, unfortunately, you know, the church does not run the world, and sometimes it's a good thing. <laughs> but, you know, if, you know, they like to say that this this, this uh, United States was founded on Christian ethics and morals and the Bible. And if it was, there are no signs of it now. So we are now left to run our homes the way God wants us to run our homes because if we start with home, it becomes infectious. If it's your house, then the block can become infected with what you have. And I'm using that word on purpose. Infection always has a negative connotation, but, you know, it will spread. You know, because love will be shown. We can help one another. God can use us. When you're living in your building, if you begin to, you know, spread that love and that wisdom and that knowledge and that understanding and who God is with your neighbors, the building changes. If the building changes, the block changes because everybody feeds who they're in contact with. If your child goes to school, we talked last week about, you know, Mariah, you know, asking the kids, hey, guys, you want to pray? Some of these kids don't know anything about prayer in their homes. A couple of them do. So if now more children in the school, more teachers in the school, now that becomes infectious. 
and now more schools begin to do this. You know, as some schools start off the day in the schoolyard with prayer, maybe another principal realizes, you know what, that, that's working over there. Their school grades are better. Their behavior is better over there. Now I need to do that here. And now that becomes infectious. And now we begin to change the county. The county changes the city. The city changes the state. The state changes the nation. The nation changes the world. And it's too bad that United States is not looked at on a godly level. All people want to do is come here for what they can get monetarily, for health benefits. Unfortunately, they're not climbing through the barbed wire because the United States is showing how Christ is leading us and we are changing. And that needs to be the focus. So since we have no control over the bigger picture, immediately, let's start in our own cells. If we start off in our own cells, then it grows. And if you don't think that you can make a difference, if you don't think that working with your wife, your husband, your children can make the difference, you're wrong. If you don't think that your family can now make a difference in your church, you're sadly mistaken. If you don't think your church can make a difference in your community, you're sadly mistaken. If we change our mentality and we all begin to work together, we'll begin to make the difference. I've had the extreme pleasure. You know, God told me increase all last year, and I have to tell you, that he's showing himself because I had the pleasure of actually sitting with a board this past weekend and possibly being able to do something on a larger scale, you know, and a church board. And again, you know, women are an extreme minority when it comes to pastors. But if God allows that door to be open, imagine the change it'll make. Imagine the difference it'll make because, you know, I've I've gotten the ear. God has allowed me to get the ear. I got one pastor that said to me, you know what? And and God is amazing. And I got to share this with you. And this this is what I'm talking about. And it's not until I, I just... So I'm talking about that, that I realized this. I've been speaking to a pastor about something, and I approached him one time, and I was sitting about a couple of years ago. And he was asking, I don't know, blah, blah, blah. Well, I actually happened to speak to him about a month ago. And he said to me, he said, you know what? You came to me before about this. He said, and since then, I'm going to tell you what happened in my church. And he shared with me something that happened in the church. And he said, you know what? I felt bad because I made a move thinking and only hearing one side of the story. But when it all came out, I realized that I didn't hear the whole story. 
But had I listened when you first spoke to me, he said, that may have been different. And I sat on the other end of the phone and I was like, look at you, God. Look at you. Look at you. I take no credit. You know, when people say, you know, you stuff, you, I take no credit at all. And I just sat on the other end of that phone and I said, look at you, God. Two years ago, I went to him with something and he kind of silenced me. He didn't think he needed it, wasn't interested. And I was okay with it because all I know is I'm just doing what God tells me to do. But it came back up conversation in the last conversation and he was honest enough to tell me what happened and he said to me he said you know what I'm all for it he said I'm willing to allow you now to come on in and do what you asked me to do he said and, I, and I'm on board and this weekend I ended up having a conversation with the with another church board and I got them to listen because I gave them some real facts that I've come across. And they were like, no, you have to have heard wrong. I was like, nope, I heard right. As a matter of fact, I'm going to send you some footage of what I'm telling you about. And even if it doesn't come across as, as the way I put it out there, something's going to happen. And now I can put everybody together because I've gotten the ear of other people. So here's what I'm saying. Don't stop. Don't stop. If God has given you something to do, don't stop. The gentlemen have just told us, you know what? Take care of home. And that's what we're doing. Taking care of a home. And home can now feed the other people in need. Don't stop doing what God has given you to do. Because when you are on God's mission, you have no other choice but to open up those doors because it's his mission. He's got to make it happen because he's the one who put you on task. So make sure you do what God tells you to do. You will not go wrong. You've been listening to it. Do time with Pastor Steph. Join us Monday through Friday from 7 a.m. to 9 a.m. where we discuss matters of the heart, mind, and spirit. As you go through your day, be sure to set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. They will only serve as a distraction. Remember, prayer changes things. It's Pastor Steph signing off, and I want to thank my new time crew, Pastor Jeff and Pastor KL, for always coming through big time. Thank you for hanging out with us today. Please do not miss this opportunity to give Christ your life right now. Please do not miss this opportunity to strengthen that relationship with the Lord right now because later is not promised to any of us. Until tomorrow, God spares. Where is Wow Wednesday? Until then, I love you.